Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. What up, everybody? We got Bomani Jones on the podcast today, but um, we are going on Zoom audio for him, so it might not be the pristine sound that you're used to from Real Ones, but it's still a dope episode. Check it out. Real Ones, up next. What's poppin'? Real Ones. Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell there. Raja, we got a we got a friend of the show and back in the building. Yes, know. sir. We, fresh we got, off. We, we, fresh off. Fresh off a first take. We got a ESPN zone. Um, you know, he he uh records the right time podcast every week. And also season two of his HBO show, Game Theory, begins January twenty third. We got Bomani Jones in the building. What's up, Bo? Hey man, all good. How about you? I'm chilling, man. I, I can't complain. I can't. I mean, I can complain, complain about a lot of stuff, but I ain't going to do it right here on this program. Um, <laughs> we are talking on, on the heels of uh, Brittany Griner's re- release uh, from uh, Rus- Russian custody. Uh, I think she's been there for about uh, 10 months. And she went over there uh, trying to play basketball overseas because Russia is, is the um, place that uh, women play overseas. But... I'm glad to have you on here. We did not know that that uh, the the Britney news was going to come right when you when you were going to go on this program. But what is this going to do for how we look at overseas basketball in general? Not just for the women's game, but in overall in, in general. How are we going to look at? Um, is there going to? Do you think there's going to be more pause? Where where do we go from here after this uh, this ruling? No, nah, people just go check their bags a lot more close uh, before they go over there. That, that, that's going to be the real impact. Check, double check, and check again. Because look, the argument that I push back on about this situation with her 
is the argument that she is there because the WNBA doesn't pay enough. No, she's there because the WNBA doesn't pay a lot. But let's say she's making $2 million playing in Russia, okay? If she were making $2 million playing in the WNBA and you could stack another $2 million on top of that first $2 million, she'd be on the plane to Russia to go get that next $2 million, right? Like, I think that this was a good opportunity for a lot of people to make points about what WNBA players get paid. And I got a problem with a maximum salary no matter what the situation is, right? Like, I think that point is there to be made. But otherwise, the conditions that led to her deciding she wanted to go to Russia to play basketball, those conditions aren't going to change. And most people don't have the financial stability to look at it and be like, damn, they put Brittany in jail. I don't think I'm going to go. No, I think most of them are still going to go and there should be no judgment of it. Yeah, no, I'm, listen, I, uh, I tend to agree. Um, you know, coming up, through the pro basketball ranks and not being drafted initially right out of school. My, I had to make a lot of decisions, you know, in regards to whether I was going to go play in different places overseas. I know a lot of friends that had to make tough decisions in some pretty, at the time, turbulent areas in the world. And almost always, you know, when you're looking at that bank account and you're looking at the opportunity to put them zeros in it, um, you go and you try to do your job. And I don't, I don't see this one being much different. At the end no, of the day. No, nah, like I, I look at like playing overseas basketball is so interesting to me just kind of as an idea, right? Like I want to do this so bad. I'm trying to think of what job I want to do so bad that I'm going to go hop on a plane and go to Ukraine and decide to go make <laughs> this happen, right? Like if they told me like, hey, man, them real broadcasting jobs over there, they, they, they over there in Poland. I would start doing something else in all likelihood. <laughs> like the, the level of dedication. Most people don't even want to leave home to go to college or go find another job or whatever it is, right? Like athletes go all over the place, right? It's, it's always been like a fascinating dynamic for me. It's just, it's fraught with a lot more baggage when we talk about women's basketball because money is what people respect in this society, right? And thereby we want, or many people want female athletes to get the respect that is in line with the, the the respect that male athletes get just because the story is they are athletes. But it's capitalism, right? The respect comes when you get paid. But women's basketball at the professional level in this country doesn't generate the level of revenue necessary to pay in a way that we would deem as being truly respectful for people of the caliber of these women, right? It doesn't. Now, I've been somebody who has said, I think the WNBA needs to take a loss, or excuse me, the NBA itself needs to take a loss on the WNBA. Like, I think there's a value in putting extra money in beyond the profit mechanism because there's a value in having this league and what it represents. And also, if you're being cynical, the WNBA creates more NBA fans also because you're selling the game and you're selling it to people that you might not ordinarily reach, right? I think that all of those things are the case and that they should do that. But unless they start making a lot more money off of it, people aren't going to get paid a lot more money. And what we're going to have to do is separate the way that we view these women in the context of respect from how much money they make. Now, can they start chartering planes? Yes, because I don't know if you've ever been on a flight with a WNBA team. I have never felt like more awkward in my life than sitting in first class and watching the LA Sparks walk to the back of the plane and half of them are taller than me. You know what I'm saying? Like they just played a game the night before. They on a seven o'clock flight with me from New York to Atlanta, and you see them walking through the airport just dragging, right? Yeah. Looking like they played a game of basketball last night and then had to catch an early morning flight. Like those are things that can be taken care of. 
But I just don't think that this issue gets to that other issue that people want to take it to. Roger, question for you as someone that, is, that has played overseas basketball, obviously, you know, you're not a woman, but like you have played in that and gone through that dynamic. What is what is the mindset in going to a, a place you don't know, may not even speak the language, and also don't know if you're going to get paid on time? When did? Because I remember there was this one time we had we had Juan Toscano Anderson on on the pod, and they got into a, a, a nice little overseas bag of just like the perils of what it's like to go into these countries and go into these places you don't know. And I think you talked about a time where you you didn't even know the language and 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 how how to get to your place uh, wherever you were at. What is the mindset of going overseas, and how do you um, get through that and 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 go into a place where you're not even comfortable and and in, in, in that environment? Um, you know, there, look. First of all, there are levels to everything, right? Like, so there are a lot of places that if you and your agent are talking about going overseas, and there are offers on the table where you would look at it and and say hey look the level here is 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 one where you may or may not see your check right and so that's a decision to make luckily for me i was only dealing with you know maybe the upper level um acb type of uh euro league team so though they're going to pay you you're going to get your bread unless something catastrophic happens so I, that wasn't a concern um for me but i think it was interesting what bomani said and it kind of ties into this about you know sports being one of the only you know, realms where you'll just go anywhere to do it. Like I had, and it's a cautionary tale, but it, it happens a lot of time with athletes. Like we put a lot of eggs in one basket. Yeah. We've been doing it for so fucking long and you've been questing after this um, to make a living at the highest level. And now that's not there. And a lot of times we don't have fallback plans. I didn't, you know, and I, I tell my boys this shit all the time. Dog, do not be me in this regard. Like you, I got lucky. So when you come to me with an opportunity to make this bread overseas, well, I mean, what's my other alternative? So I'm out. Like, I got to hop on this plane and, and go. And luckily, I had some choices. Um, you know, and I chose a, a team in Spain where I had, I was familiar with the Spanish language. I, language I grew up in the Caribbean in Miami. So while I didn't speak fluently, I could communicate enough to get off a plane and have someone steer me in the direction of of where I needed to be. And so I could piece things together. But I was acutely aware when I was there that if I didn't have that background and the team didn't provide a translator, which they did not, or a guide, um, and I had just been dropped off at this flat, beautiful flat though, like five bedrooms, you get a car. I mean, there's some perks to this shit now. But if I couldn't go downstairs and make out five words out of this whole four sentences that you just said to me and figure out from those five words how to get where I'm going, this would be a shit show. Like I never, I, I never get where I needed to be. You know, I could be lost in a city for a month. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. And then, you know, it's not unlike what, 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 you know, I, I dealt with in the CBA and it sounds like, you know, the WNBA would deal with in terms of travel and stuff like that. It is a huge, I had been in the NBA for a year and now I was back, you know, at the highest level of ACB and EuroLeague play. The facilities were a lot different. The, the, the travel was certainly a lot different. The accommodations were a lot different. There's a lot that you have to kind of, uh, you have to kind of humble yourself and kind of figure out, Hey, listen, is this for me? I'll tell you straight up going overseas that will let you know, like you might think, Hey man, I have no backup plan. There's no real other avenue for me to make a living and you get your ass overseas. And if you, you'll quickly figure out another way to make a living and you'll figure <laughs> out that shit's not for you. Cause it could be, it, that's a slap in the face. You, it, it, this is either meant for you or it's not. Yeah, and Logan, I had a uh, former player tell me once about overseas. The priority is by English. 
how yeah. much English they speak over there. Because the dude was telling me that he played in Israel and I was a bit more ignorant at the time. Like the only time Israel came up in discourse over here is when somebody was dropping bombs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's the only time we hear like people are like, what do you mean Israel got beaches? I don't hear nothing about no beaches. All I, all I hear is about strife. Right. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man, they spoke English and they had McDonald's. And that was a big one. The thing that's now fascinating to me about overseas play, and I'm curious your thoughts about this, the older guys going to China now. And what is so fascinating is I can't imagine how much fun Dwight Howard is having over man. there, finally getting to play the way that he is. All Every big man want to be able to do all this stuff. And he's like, man, I wish I would have come over here five years ago. Yeah. 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 I think. Who else? What was it? Uh, was it? Uh, was it Marbury? Was it Steph? Marbury went. Marbury they better statue him. Yo, yeah. like, see, China's one of those interesting places. Like, again, uh, uh, Spain loves his basketball, right? Now, I wound up up in the Basque region of Spain, like, so I was up in at, at Tau Ceramica. So, um, it, it might not have had all of the things that like a Barcelona or a, a Madrid might have had as a city that would have been kind of regular, if you will, for me, like from from an American standpoint, but. China is one of those cities, and and sorry, but Spain as a whole, while they love basketball, I mean, it's still a, it's still a soccer a country, right? Like this is what we do here. China is basketball crazy, like that's what they do. So you go over there as a Dwight Howard, as a Steph Marbury, as any other player with some stature, or or even a young player that just wins championship after championship, you are a demigod over there. Like that, they are basketball nuts in in China. China don't look like it's fun, though. Like, I guess, again, this may be my ignorance again, but I, I don't know. Don't nobody be like, yo, man, we was over there kicking it. Yeah, they go check out the Great Wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, wow, big business is cracking. They go see what, what some monks is talking about. But nobody ever comes back from China and just be like, man, we was balling out of control. I, I will say this, but money, hey, straight up, because I know some dudes who played in Tel Aviv, and they do say Oof, that yo. about Tel Aviv. They're I'll like, leave. yo, hey, yo. Tel Aviv, and they give you that look like, hey, yo. <laughs> and you're like, okay. They tell about Tel Aviv like the first time somebody tries to put you on a Toronto. You're like, yes, Toronto? What you just like that. Toronto? And then you go to Toronto in the middle of June, and you're like, oh, yeah, this all oh. checks out. All this is nah, great. This is, this is amazing. Vancouver was the one. To this day, I still contend. Steve Francis being like, no, I don't want to go to Vancouver is the... Okay, right, if you ahead. say all so. Right. I mean, he wound all up right. in Houston, which is a great place to be a ball player. But Vancouver, Dennis Scott once said that was his favorite place that he played was Vancouver. I only went to Vancouver once. We played a we played a charity game there. You know, Steve Nash is from Vancouver. So after one of those years, he took a bunch of us out to Vancouver. I had never been. There wasn't a franchise when I made the league. They had just moved. And I left that shit because Toronto at the time was my favorite city. So I'm going to double down on what you're saying. When I left yeah. that shit. It's like Vancouver, baby. That's where it's at. <laughs> I still got to get out there. I have not made it, but nobody's Vancouver. been like, yeah, I don't know about that Vancouver. Like beach beach to mountains to like, I mean, I was just talking like the aesthetics of the, the like the beauty of the city itself, not let alone the people, but it was incredible. I'm, I'm so jealous of the beat writers before me, like in the 90s and stuff, because they got to do the uh, the the Pacific Northwest trip. Where you basically go Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, and then you come down to the Bay, LA. <laughs> like that seems like a beautiful trip. That seems like that seems great. But Monty, I, I do want to ask you though, just specifically, just to, to the W. This whole thing that transpired with Brittany, what does that say about WNBA players' voice and the WNBA as a league voice in terms of how they've been able to mobilize and what they've been able to do? Because I think the last time we talked to, we talked about the NBA voice and the things mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that stuff. But it seems like the WNBA players have a lot more to lose and are not 
even remotely as scared in some cases as maybe, the, or as much as conservative as sometimes the NBA has purported itself to be, especially in recent years. Yeah, they the best at this, right? Like nobody in sports is like, yo, we got something we about to do. Like I think it was, um, was it after George Floyd when the, when the women came out there with the shirts with the bullet holes in them? Yeah. They turned that thing around in like a day, like with other things to do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it wasn't like it was just like, all right, we go cancel everything and we go have a meeting and figure out how we're gonna make our statement. No, man, they figured all that out so quick. I just did a first take a little bit before before I did this, and was making this point of talking to, with Shanae. She's like, "We're not new to this. We're true to this." I'm like, "No, the thing is, you're better at this than anybody else is." I'm like, when it's time to get that going, and they did. They put everything in action. Now, where I would raise a question is, how do we determine who does or doesn't have the most lose? in this. Mm. And what, what I mean when I ask that is, yes, the NBA players have more money and therefore that makes the argument that you have more to lose, except for the fact that, again, it's capitalism, right? So you have more money, which means you have more money that you can make, which then becomes a, I have more to lose, right? Like that, that's mm-hmm. looked at as a receivable, right? It's an asset. I'm going to get this money. I want to keep this money. But when you don't make that much money, there's a lot less bullshit that you're willing to put up with if you don't necessarily have to. because with, where it's different, I'd say, between the NBA and the WNBA is women in the WNBA can go find another job that pays this kind of money. Yeah. Unless these other right. dudes want to get out here and start like learning to rap or sing ballads and do you know, shows in Vegas, they ain't going to make that kind of money again. These women, these women, if they want to, they can go to State Farm and move on with their lives. Yeah, right. Plus, plus they don't, they're, they're, I mean, in a lot of instances, like their U.S company that pays them isn't paying them as well as that foreign company. So running afoul of the U.S. company that pays you that, I mean, you have another another avenue to make money off of the game. Right. It's just right across the water. I will say this, though. What the Atlanta Dream did when Kelly Leffler was running for Senate, ain't no NBA team doing that. They yeah. just, it would have been a lot of shutting up and dribbling when it came time <laughs> to talk about that campaign. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They was yeah. out there like, vote for the owner's opponent, and we don't even really want her to own the team no more. Oh, watch this. She don't even own the team no more. Ain't mm, yeah. that something, right? Mm. It wouldn't have... <laughs> Can, can you imagine if, like, even you, when you play for the Suns, and I'm not, this is obviously no judgment. Robert Sarver's like, I'm running for Senate. You wasn't going to vote for him, but we're not about to have a team rally about it. <laughs> right. And, and, and that's coming off also the heels of this runoff with Warnock winning in, in Georgia. Big part of that, what was that, Bomani? It was WNBA, WNBA players bringing his name to the forefront. Roger, when, when we talk about this and we talk about, uh, you know, trying to speak out, what goes through the mind of someone that's like, okay, you hear, you read the paper and you see some, something's fucked up. What goes in the mind of when you're thinking about maybe speaking out as an NBA player? Do you, is that ever, is that ever, because have you ever been in a situation where you've had to figure that out? Um, no, I've, I can't recall having been in a situation where, where uh, something was as important and it was putting my feet kind of to the fire of whether or not it meant enough to me to potentially put my my livelihood on the line. I can't remember a situation like that. Um, I ju- I just think generally speaking, man, like if you're being true to yourself, like and and your opinion is something that you really believe in, and you're not vacillating on that or wavering on that, and 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 you want to speak up, like I have no problem with that. Like I don't even give a damn what side of the fence you're on. Like I am I am one of those dudes where I have this argument with people around me that. I don't have to agree with you to be friends with you. Like we don't have mm-hmm. to see things through, through the same lens or the same prism. Like I, I'd like to know who I'm dealing with, but once I know who I'm dealing with, 
Like I'm okay. So it's it's never been a thing for me where someone comes out and they make a take that that isn't aligned with mine, and I'm like, oh hell no, I can't. That's just not my style. And I think far too many people are like that. But I've never been in a uh, in a situation where I've been put to the fire like that, Logan. Quite frankly, and most people don't. By the way. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, like we got a whole lot of talk about what other people are supposed to be doing on their company time in the name of courage. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we all work for rich people. None of them got rich by being good. <laughs> <laughs> the only one that's got that argument, like, of, of team owners, the only one that really has an argument, like, yo, I've really got this money, at a clo- almost really is Michael Jordan, except for the fact that, you know, who make them shoes? You know what I'm right. saying? Like, like, like this is this is kind of what it is. We we all making business decisions every day about what we are and are not gonna stand up for. Like I talk about this all the time in the context of what musicians we like. Like I'm one of those people that was like, yeah, this R. Kelly thing, nah, not here for it. James Brown, you have to take them them songs out of my cold dead hands, man. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> like we're all making choices here, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and. To that point, Bomani, how do you feel? Because you know we've talked to you periodically over the years on the on the pod, and we've also we've talked about player voice in general uh, in the NBA. How do you think that's when we first started talking? It was in the in the height of the bubble, where or just after the bubble, where players' voice was at an all time high to the point where we're getting slogans on the on the court, uh, Black Lives Matter, and we've kind of evolved from that. Um, how do you feel? Where do you think the uh, NBA player voice is at this point in time? Uh, you know. Two years or almost two, uh, more than two years removed from George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. As far as I can tell, virtually non-existent. A lot of shutting up, a lot of dribbling. Now, <laughs> the question becomes why? Mm-hmm. If, like, if you want to be fair, right, you could make the argument that the NBA leaned in a little bit too hard at the time and it began to, like, I thought the mistake they made in the bubble with all the imaging and everything that they did was that. In the end, that was still a television program. And as some, if you were producing a television program, there were a lot of things that were distracting from the reason why people were watching the television program, right? So Black Lives Matter is on the floor. At the time when they did that, Black Lives Matter, as a phrase, had a public opinion that was majority positive. That ain't last, right? So they jumped on the wave at the time. And it's sad to say that that was a wave. But when you really look back on it, it was a wave. It was a moment. Some things happened right then, but how much sustainable came out of that? You got to go look at different places to figure that out. But it was a moment. But they jumped on the wave, and after a while, there was a backlash to the wave. They had questions about the television ratings, although I don't know how you interpret the bubble ratings given everything else. And the entire league kind of took a step back to the point where for the 2022 elections, I saw more about voter registration in NFL games than I saw in NBA games. I don't recall seeing players talk about the election in that way. I don't recall seeing the stuff about the Warnock-Walker election like you might have seen when it was Warnock and Leffler in the election before. I think that people, I don't know if people stopped to regroup. I want to stop and give them credit for the fact that that may be what it is, that people stopped to regroup. Or maybe they looked up and decided they did all that and it wasn't worth it or they thought it was counterproductive, you know, or something along those lines. But I don't see much player voice in this. And by the way, in any direction, like when Kyrie got into his little, whatever the fuck that was that we all had to deal with (laughs) during that time, you ain't have nobody defending him neither. Right? right? Like it wasn't even a matter of, man, they're not even coming down on Kyrie. 
they're not saying anything about this. And I don't want to cast aspersions on people's intent. I'd just be very curious to know why if you took like a broad survey. I mean, even Jalen Brown took like a dip in the de- kind of defending Kyrie and was like, no, nah, yeah, I don't want no yeah. parts of this. I'm good. Yeah. I'm straight. I'm cool. <laughs> if I'm Kyrie, it's kind of like that time on Twitter when Terry uh, Terry Crews started defending Chance the Rapper. And he was like, oh, oh, oh okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe yeah. I was wrong. Right? <laughs> Jalen yeah. Brown entrusted his career to Kyrie and Antonio Brown. I stopped being curious about his opinions after that. Then the dude said he thought that the Black Israelites was the Omegas. And then he, and then he uh, also aligning with Kanye West um, at yeah. last spring. That's a, that's a, it's that's just been a weird, weird. I don't know if it's a fall from grace, but it's just been a weird turn from Jalen Brown. It's, it's been it's been interesting. What happened with Jalen Brown was is white folks is really easy to impress with fairly decent grammar. <laughs> right, like, like, like you, you, you get your nouns and true. your verbs together, and they like part of why I am not. I don't intentionally mangle grammar when I talk in public, but I don't really make it a point to get it right unless I'm in like a certain place. But part of it is it scrambles white people's brains. They're trying to figure <laughs> out. I thought you were so smart. However, you just said da 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 da. It messes them up, and you could think about how many people you know that are run a game on white folks just by talking proper. That's all that it <laughs> took was talking proper. You remember when Tiki Barber retired, and they was about to put him on um the, the they had him on the Today Show. They had him everywhere yeah. else until they realized that people don't like Tiki Barber. All they really knew was, man, that dude talks really properly. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's all it took. And so for Jalen Brown, you come off as being like a little intellectually curious, right? Just showing that you care a little bit. And people think so little of athletes that they automatically get to, man, that's deep, right? And it was never deep. He was like 20 years old. How deep could it have been? No, it's, it's just been interesting all, all the way around in terms of just when you talk about player voice and it, especially when you talk about when we just talked about Kyrie, like, being the voice for the voiceless and whatever that means, it, it just seems like we've gotten silent in a way that it, that is we're going the other way from how loud we were in 2020 and we're not holding ourselves accountable as much as we should. That's where it seems like we're at. I think that's a reflection of the times that we live in. And I think it's being reflected in a lot of other ways. Like you think about this for a second. We're almost 11 years out from Trayvon Martin. Okay. What I thought was going to happen um, in the music space was that you were going to get the new public enemy, right? You were going to get the new rage against the machine, that we were going to be in this place and in this space where all these things were going on in the world and the art was then going to reflect it, right? Like you see like you see what happens in the, in the late 80s where you get public enemy coming out, you got X-Clan, you got all these acts, and this is like a pushback at the Reagan era, the anger and everything that came from the war on drugs and all of that, it all came together as that. All this stuff's been going on all this time. And you see people make references to things. Like, I don't want to act like nobody's ever made a song that had anything to do with this. But after George Floyd and they did that weird OBET awards where everybody had Black Lives Matter on their stuff. And I think it was Megan Thee Stallion was on some mad fucking Mac shit. And they were talking about Black Lives Matter at the same time. Like, they were doing that. But somehow there's no music that reflects what feels like the, uh, really the anger of the times that's coming out and some of the legitimate pushback that people have about a lot of these societal factors. And I think it's just across the board, man. I think that people have basically gotten to the point where they realize all I can get out of this game is money. And that's a real sad point to get to, but I would also understand how people got there. Let's take a a quick break. I want to talk about Deion Sanders and what that means for recruiting and 
Raja and Raja Bill's kids uh, right after the break. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Looking to get more out of this NBA season? Well, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to touchdown scores to over-under yards. Wow, it's a lot. You can build a host of props on FanDuel, including player props, player points, rebounds, assists, and you can bet for and against the spread, the over and under, anything you want, you can bet it on FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Also, got some news for you. FanDuel is now live in Maryland. So all my partners in Maryland, make sure you get in on the action with great offers boosts just for you. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states, first online real money wager only, refund issued as a non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 Arizona, 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-0-STOP, Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net West Virginia. And we are back. We've been trying to get Bo on for the last few months. And in the last week, he has basically been the avatar for talking about Deion Sanders. We're going to make him talk about Deion Sanders on this program, but more so just how it, how Deion Sanders going to Colorado really speaks to college recruiting and just how we feel about HBCUs in general. Um, as we know that, uh, Deion Sanders went to Colorado, left Jackson State, um, honestly, for a, a huge bag and a really good opportunity. Raj, I know you I know you've been following this a little bit, but what does this situation say about college 
coaches moving on. And what does that say about how how that affects recruiting? And when kids are, you know, sometimes sold a dream for lack of a better term, what does this fiasco say about that and 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 where we go? Like what are what are, what do people like me who have never played a D1 sports should what can we learn from this? Let me not touch on Dion first. Let's just go to the recruiting game, coaching and so like when I talk to kids and I talk to my boys, um and they're coming of age where where the recruiting thing is happening and a lot of my son's teammates are are five-star kids. And I, so all these coaches are on campus every day and they're selling dreams. It's their job. Like we've visited a few places and they're selling, like we're sitting uh, in Jimbo Fisher's office and he's selling a dream and we're, you know, at, at another place and they're selling a dream and that's what they do. So like what I say to kids is don't, like the relationship is 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 part of it, right? With whoever's recruiting you, that's part of it. But that can't be all of it. You have to find a place that you think systematically, like you could, like their system that they're running fits your style, whether it be basketball or football. Um, now that may change if the coach leaves, but it's got to be a, a town that you like to be in, like uh, a student body that when you're there on a visit, you could see yourself thriving in. There got to be things about the place that really speak to you and you could see yourself there for four or five years because as soon as that coach and it's as soon as he gets an opportunity for upward mobility, he's out. It's what it is. Like, that's the game you play. So don't attach yourself to somebody relationship-wise and, and think that if they, you know, aren't there, you can't survive because he probably, in most cases, is not going to be there, um, at least in today's landscape of college sports. And so, you know, I, I was signed by a guy at Boston University, and then he was fired. And I went to play for another guy at Boston University who I was okay with, but we didn't see eye to eye. So I wound up leaving after two years. You know, he and I are cool now, but like, that's a very, very important uh, thing for kids to realize is when a coach gets an opportunity, I don't give a damn what he's talking about. I really don't. Like, and I like Prime and I had no problem with the move. Both my parents went to HBCUs. Like my dad went to Morehouse, my mom went to Spelman, my dad played football there. Morehouse came in late and tried to recruit me until I was like, okay, what's, what's my official visit going to look like? They were like, yeah, we don't really have the funds to bring you up. I'm like, okay, I'm out. That was just me personally. Right. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I mean, shit, I just got winding down by these four schools. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming down there to do that, but it, whatever a coach is talking about, it's all salesmanship, bro. They're all selling. They're selling, selling, selling. You have to make your decision based on solid factors and a coach is not solid. You know, what's going to be there? The field's going to be there. The facilities are going to be there. The classes are going to be there. The student union's going to be there. The town is going to be there. That fucking coach, more than likely, is not going to be there. Yo, I didn't I didn't realize that your pops went to Morehouse. That's really disappointing uh, <laughs> to hear. I, 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 I'm glad you overcame that to make yourself into a cool dude. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I appreciate like, that. I appreciate Black that. Black Atlanta University class of 01. Oh, you know what shit. So you got, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. We get out here locked in on the... <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> we got AU beef. We got AU beef yeah, right look, across look, it. Look, look, man. Morehouse is cool. Herman Cain went there. But I think you pointed out something, though, that's very important, which is going to a school for the school and not going to it for the coach. And I was thinking about this just overall as I watched this transfer portal thing. And I feel bad for so many of those kids that are in the portal. And the reason is, how many of them dudes are going to go to the league, right? Like, how many of them dudes are going to make money off of playing football? And what they're all doing is trying to find a place. It's, it's the market at work, right? They try to find a depth chart that works for them. They realize they're not going to get it here. Okay, I can go get it somewhere else. But they're probably not going to make the league. And if you don't make the league, it would be better for you just to go to college somewhere for four years, right? Like, yeah. what you get out of it, the, the you know all the relationship touchy feely stuff right that is very important 
But also, if you go make contacts and connections or whatever, man, them dudes that play four years at one college, they always get, they always on scholarship, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they're not even necessarily that good, they've always got a way in. But these dudes now are hopping, going here right fast, going here right fast, going here right fast, going here right fast. And I'm like, I don't think this is ultimately going to serve most of you, but I get it. They're making the bet, right? They want to get to the league. They want it that bad. And so they're going to make the attempt um, to go do it. But I, I, so many of these players would be better off picking the campus. And especially, Roger, you know this too. A lot of them aren't just doing it for the head coach. They're doing it for some assistant coach. Assistant and, coach, And yeah. those dudes, they got no power. They got no agency. They can't help themselves in any sort of way. And so logically, it's not the right way to make a decision. But on the other hand, one of my former students told me a story. His father played at Michigan State with Magic, right? Mm-hmm. And my former student was a, was a track star. And he told him, go to school for track. He's like, if that's what you want to do, then you go to the place that's best for you for track. And on one level, it makes perfect sense. On the next level, I think my former student looks back 20 years later and the decision he made that was not great for track and one that he regretted many times after making is one that he would do again if he had the chance, right? Because you really are, you're going to college. Like that's 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 the thing that you're going to wind up getting out of this. And I know there's money involved now. So like the game is just a little tricky, but you can't hop up and leave a school every time. Like the kid that played quarterback at USC and transferred to Pitt, and I guess it ain't work for him at Pitt. And so he's going to go somewhere else. Bro, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, like this isn't a win for you. Yeah, there was a kid this morning. I I saw it. I'm you know I'm a big Hurricane fan, and so I'm in the car with my son, and we're listening to local stuff. And uh, you know, this young man played somewhere two years ago. He was at Miami this year. Cristobal brought him in in the portal, and he's out. He's going. He just announced he's going to Florida State next year. That's three colleges, and he'll play. Um, you know, at, at three colleges in three years. That's not a. I mean, that's. I guess it's not a traditional college experience. Maybe that makes me like an old curmudgeon, but I do think there's value in. In, in setting up shop. I always tell you this, Logan, one of my biggest regrets, or it's not a regret because I didn't control it, but one of my biggest wishes for, for my career would have been to stay somewhere longer than three years mm-hmm. because it puts roots down. It puts community down. Like it puts familiarity with the, with, you know, with the town and, and, you know, the networking opportunities that, that were lost bec- because I couldn't do that are like, they're not uncountable. Like I, I wouldn't even be able to quantify that. And so that was a wish that I had had. And I think it's interesting because I was a transfer student. And when mm-hmm. I came out of Boston university, there were the old rules, which was they have to grant you a release. There were different kinds of releases. Mine was not a, uh, mine was not a, a, a release where, Hey, look, he's just eligible. Anyone who needed, you know, to know if I was okay to be seen or, or, or given a scholarship had to call BU and they had to let me go. So there were real parameters in place. I had to sit out a year and it felt so restrictive and it felt like a, like a penalizing system. Like I, I was 18 and like, this isn't my fault. Why am I being penalized for signing up to go to a school that doesn't really fit me and the coach, you know what I mean? Like it just felt. And now as a, as a 40 some year old watching this transfer portal, it's a shit show. Like, you know, yeah. and I, I would have lobbied for it. Like even 10 years ago, I'd have been like, yo, and I still feel like it's tough to, to, to tell a 17 year old, Hey man, we're going to let all these adults pull at you. We're going to let them all come in here and sell you and your family dreams. Um, you know, some of your families, let's just be frank. Some of those families, you know, whether they're going to play in the NFL or not, but money, you know, this or the NBA, some of their families feel like that's the meal ticket from the time they're 12 years old. So let me come in here and just pray on that. And as a 17-year-old, you make this decision. It doesn't work out. Now you're fucking stuck. 
Like, I don't yeah. agree with that either. But this transfer portal is a shit show. It's changing. It's changing everything. And you're going to wind up with way too many student athletes, right? Like, they should just get rid of student. They should let these motherfuckers play sports. Yeah, like, like the portal makes sense, right? In the sense of matching. Like, it makes it a lot easier. It's basically like Tinder. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I might want to leave. Anybody want to swipe? Up? What's up? Right? <laughs> and then they swipe, which, like, is, is efficient and it's effective. But I do think it would be better for the players if you had to sit a year to transfer. There's got to be a better way. And 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 there's got to be a there's got to be a limit on it too, Bo. It can't be 3 and 4 times. You can't do that. Cuz the the next part of it, and I'm sorry, I'll let you go because this is just my thing now, is I'm watching what it's doing to the to the high school athlete. Yeah. Like that's who's suffering in this. It's the high school athlete who those opportunities are dry. If you're not a five-star now, it's hard it's really difficult. Like you could get it. I wasn't a five star. I had no stars. Somebody yeah. was going to swing on me. Mid majors were going to swing. You know what mid majors are looking for now? They're looking Prospects. for the power five kid. Yeah, they don't want right. they don't want the high school freshman that can't help him for two years. Right. So those are the kids that are getting shitted on. So there got to be better parameters and rules in place, man. Yeah, like so. I mean, the thing for me, it has to be that they can transfer immediately now. Because quite honestly, the grown ups messed it up. It's the hypocrisy of the matter that has made it such that this is what it kind of sort of has to be, right? Is that if the grownups are going to be doing this and all that money being thrown around mm-hmm. with the grownups doing it, that's where we wound up with the problem, right? That's where we got. But I don't think at all that it can possibly serve most of these players to do this. But then you talk about the high school kid, it's so wild how much movement there is in high school. Like oh. making all these moves oh, yeah. to get <laughs> up a death shot. And I'm like, are you... In, but like, is there any attachment that you have to anything, right? Like, like it... it I think this era, more than anything else, there's no love for institutions. And I'm not saying the institutions have earned the love necessarily, but I think you get where I'm coming from, right? Is that there is a value to being somewhere for a while. There's a value to being like, hey, I worked at this place. Like, it seems corny. Like, I think I'm going to get like my 10-year plaque or something for Disney next year, right? And I used to see those things that think they were corny, but there's something to the fact that I've been working for this place for almost 10 years. Absolutely, man. The The whole loyalty uh, the whole concept of loyalty and teaching kids, like we still choose in my house. You know, when my sons came up, they played for the same park for the, almost their whole career. I moved my my middle son after, um, you know, after COVID, but for just for one year. So like, you know, it starts at the youth level down here because football is king, right? So you'll see kids pick up, they play at this park. Next year, they all shuffle, they go to the next park, right? And it happens for like five or six years of youth football. And then in high school, I've done the same thing. Like I've left my son and I wonder sometimes just as a dad, am I serving him correctly? Because I believe in like, listen, bro, here's where you're at. Provided they're loyal to you and they're going to give you a fair shot. This is where we'll be. But every year it's a transfer portal in high school. There are no rules in Florida. You can literally play football at this local school right here, right around the corner. And when football season is over, as long as you don't practice with the basketball team, you can pick your shit up and go play for the town, one town overs basketball team, right? And be eligible to play, play against the school you just played football for. And then in the spring, when it's baseball or lacrosse or whatever season's going on then, you could play for a third high school. So these little jokers every year are just reshuffling the deck and it becomes, and I, I get I get a little sensitive to it because my son's a quarterback, but money, it's not a it's not a rotational position. Not that easy. Right? Right. So like it can't have seven wide receivers. They're all going to play. So like if you are constantly every year, this quarterback carousel is taking place and you are only interested in bringing in someone who has played already and has stats and he's a junior. And the only reason mine or anyone like mine doesn't is because he's been sitting in your program paying his dues, waiting his turn. But every time he's up to bat, you're going to tell me 
I, I got a new older kid coming in. Like, should I be being loyal to that situation? Yo, these teams do not exist to get people to leagues. Like the purpose <laughs> of all this stuff is not that. And so we're trying to, like I always say about marriage is that we're like trying to retrofit something that was meant, I don't want to say meant because people misunderstand, but was designed to be one thing and try to retrofit it for the new times. And that's where you kind of get to the awkwardness of trying to make this all work. This stuff was never meant to be so professionalized. But now that the money is so big that it's a safe bet for everybody to do it, all these things just become ways, honestly, for all the grown-ups on these lower levels to get this money too, right? You know, and it's it's just not supposed to be this. Like to me, if you are in youth coaching to win, you are backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's yeah. not why we should be here, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Do do you think, you know, Raja has a first a, a first hand look at this because he has a son, you know, playing football, but also AAU. What is the biggest difference when from when you were coming up in this this NIL world that we live in, right? Where there's there's a lot more at least outward bread coming that are changing hands in full sight. Not to say it wasn't before because we know money changed hands, but what's been the biggest difference from this NIL world to when you were playing in that AAU time? I mean, the biggest, the biggest difference, and maybe it's because at the time I was naive and didn't have a perspective that allowed me to see the adults that were, that were, that were kind of preying on if to use, I mean, that's a poor word, but it, it but it, but it is, I see it all the time, preying on, on the kids in their program. Like that seems to be the biggest difference for me. And they may have existed, but I don't think they exist, existed to the degree that they do now. I walk in gyms all the time, right? I run a, I run a, a youth program. Um, I had two teams. I don't run a huge you know, program. I, I don't, no one pays anything. Like I foot the bill for all of that. And Bomani, we, we want to win, but I tell people it ain't a, like, this isn't a winning thing. We will win because I'm going to teach your kids how to hoop and I'm going to help them be the best little players they can be. So when they go to their middle schools and their high schools or wherever that is, they're prepared. They've seen all of this before. They know the rigors of it. They know what's expected of them. It won't slap them in the face. They won't skip a beat and a coach can use them right when they get there. And so that's kind of what I that's my way of giving back to these kids. But I walk into these gyms and it's a bunch of, to Bamani's point about, you know, the college coaches in the high school, it's a, it's about the adult. It's about the adult running the program and his relationship with Nike and how much money he's getting from Under Armour. And this is what we're doing. And I have no problem with the companies. Don't get me wrong, but there are too many people with no real background in 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 the sport, I'm trust me. I know from experience. Motherfucker ain't got no background in the sport at all, and Nike's handing them a bag because they can go out there and and get the seven best players in in an area to play on their fucking AAU team. The AAU team never practices, right? They just show up and they're they're an all star team that goes out there and has seven five stars on it, but will typically lose to a really good, well coached team that's got less talent than them when push comes to shove because they're not being taught shit and. It doesn't matter to 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 anyone. All of the adults are getting what they want out of the situation. Like the companies have all the five stars. The dude who don't know shit about basketball, who's running the program, gets the bread from Nike and gets to say, now I I have this premier, you know, Adidas program, if you will. And all of the adults are happy and they're using the kids, you know, to to make their dreams. And that's really what it is. I see it all the time. I you know what you need to start a fucking AAU program now? Used to be the best of the best play AAU. Like mm -hmm. the best of the best, you know, it's been watered down. AAU is rec league shit. Like uh, travel basketball is rec league now. Get in your bag, Rob. You need $300 and pass a background check. That's what you need. 
and everybody gets to do cosplay, right? Yeah, everybody can get, yeah. You get the uniforms. Parents will all pay for their uniforms because they want their kids on the team. They'll they'll front you a little bread and you'll get a little knucklehead that, 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 to coach the team who don't know shit. And everybody's out there. That's what's up, Bomani. A whole gym full of motherfuckers <laughs> all weekend out there in cosplay. It's a great way to describe it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because people want to be coaches. Like, that's the other part of it too is the coach gets this level of respect in this society and people want to be that. And it's one of those jobs where it's kind of like the job that we do now why can't I do that? Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, there's, no, there's no class you got to take. There's no degree you got to have. There's no certification that you got to get. There's no test you got to pass. Everybody thinks they can do this job. And they yep. think the exact, but we are all in business because everybody thinks they can be a coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get on Twitter during any game and you're going to find all the coaches, especially now that they can get like all 22 film and stuff oh, like man. that. I got some motherfucker I ain't never heard of before talking to me about an action in basketball. Look, man, I know who can do this. I know who can, who can and who cannot and who work well together. I am not about to be out here pretending to you like, I'm like now he's going to go here. Now he's going to make. No, 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 no. I don't consume it on this level. But you all know the people I'm talking about. Yeah. And now they're like, yo, I can be a coach. I can be a leader of men. You know, I want to help. The, I want to help the kids. No, that's it. That's, just, that's facts. <laughs> just bringing it back Dion how you think you're going to do in uh, in Colorado Bo how you, th- how you think that's going to work out I have no idea I don't that's think that's fascinating any- isn't it <laughs> yeah I don't think that anybody can say confidently that they really know how this is going to go now he's putting together staff I just saw that he hired uh, Tim Brewster longtime assistant in college football but also longtime really good recruiter he just got uh, Nick Saban's uh, safeties coach and associate defensive coordinator he's now going to be the defensive coordinator at Colorado Problem is, if you talk to people around Alabama, they say one of the problems that they're having right now is that the coaching staff isn't as good as it used to be. So take that for what it's worth. He's going to get some players in there. Um, I think he made a terrible mistake by introducing his son as the quarterback because I don't know why any other quarterback would stay in school there because, as you say, it's not a rotational position. You just told me I'm not going to play. I don't even know why I'm going to get out here and try. It is your Mm -hmm. son. I'm not going to do that. But I think he's going to be able to infuse talent fast right and i think that i mean they ain't gonna they ain't gonna be no one in 11 next year the question for me about how well he does at that job is there probably will be a two or three game losing streak here or there Mm -hmm. and the ability to succeed at a job like colorado is not so much about how much you win as much as how you handle early losing so you can get to the place where you get better and Deion Sanders ain't had to answer one hard question yet, right? You out there beating <laughs> the brakes off everybody at Jackson. You ain't had to deal with what the questions are going to be here if you mess around and lose. The media in the HBC, when you watch, it's it's so flattering towards Prime, right? It's so flattering towards, and, and I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all, but I'm saying it's going to be different. They had to be, though, because he wouldn't give the time of day to local media. Like, that's one of the other problems with that I had with the time that he had there is that local, he was always talking to national guys because his plan was to get to somewhere else, right? So he didn't really do that local stuff. Here, when it's going bad, they're going to have questions. And while he is prime time, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, he's still black, dog. We know how it goes when black people struggle. We know, yeah. like, how this runs. And so... They're going to be hard times, and I'm curious to see how he handles them. Because if he's willing to go stand in front and just be like, hey, this is all me, da-da-da, all of this when the times are hard, he'll be okay. Nothing of his track record indicates that that is what he will do. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I would would just double down on on that. I think 
first of all, he's going to recruit his ass off. Like kids, kids are going to want to go there. I have multiple kids that I'm familiar with on my son's team down here that are literal five-star kids that have said that Prime reached out to them. And you could see in their eyes when they talk about it that, that there's some level of excitement. What degree? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But there, that's it, it's an exciting thing for Prime to call you and want you. Now it's not, you know, now it's a power five. So it, it's even more probably exciting for some of them. He will get kids. Um, I do believe that, that, that he can coach. I believe that he's a good coach. But that shit doesn't turn over overnight. It just doesn't happen. Like you don't take a program that's been struggling like that and turn it over overnight. So there will be hard times. And that is the question. And Bomani hit it on the head. Like I do think the approach to the media has to be a little bit more, I want to put this correctly. I definitely tweaked. Savvy isn't a good word because I believe him to be really savvy, but it has to be tweaked because it's going to have to, it's a different level. You're not, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a different level of, of spotlight. It's a different, it's a different audience. And those jobs turn over a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. So if you're get, if you're getting it wrong at the podium while you're going through your your growing pains as a coach, because there will be growing pains for the for the program, like every program, like Mario Cristobal and them are going through that right now at University of Miami. Like they're recruiting their ass off. He's got a monster staff, but you gotta get you gotta get rid of some of the stuff that doesn't work for you. You gotta bring in your stuff that you think works, and a lot of times you gotta get it up to speed. And all of that has to be like you have to be doing the right things with the media with the boosters, with the university, with the parents, all of that has to be handled very well to get the grace to get to the point where you're able to, to produce. And that's going to be the question for me. I'm, I'm going to be interested to watch that. Hey, excited to have him, though, boy. The, the only thing for me, though, about this, uh, Jackson State's one of the best jobs in the SWAC. Colorado's one of the worst jobs in the Pac-12. And I don't know what he has to sell other than himself at Colorado. That's not his fault, right? but it's all going to hinge on him. Like at Jackson State, I know what you had to sell. We're going to play at one of the top five stadiums in this division, um, and I'm going to sell you the black college experience. What are you selling at Colorado that they can't get anywhere else? And that's where this is going to get, that's where this is going to get interesting. And, hey, Dion going to get a lot of kids. Is he going in there in L.A. and beating Lincoln? Like he go, here's what Dion is going to do in terms of recruiting. They will have a secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when Travis Hunter went to Jackson State, people were like, I can't believe he did that. Deion Sanders said, you want to come play corner? <laughs> <laughs> but like, ain't no other call that I right. need to take. And like, yeah. you know, no, that's not going to happen. They're going to have DBs. That is the one thing that I do know is that he will get that level of talent. What we don't know is whether, are we dealing with a master strategist here? They didn't ask him a single question at that press conference in Colorado about scheme. And I have watched dozens of those press conferences over the years. I've never seen one where a coach didn't even come out with the cliches. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to be multiple. We're going to be fat. He didn't have to do none of that. Oh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens, man. Um, before we get you out of here, we got it's Thursday. So we got a, a little segment we like to call real one of the week where we point out a, a person into the organization that won the week. I'll start off. We'll go with Raj and then in with Bo. I'm going to start off with, uh, with Brittany Griner. Self-explanatory. I know she went through a lot um, during during her time in, in Russian in prison, and and it's pretty self explanatory. And she's out now, so I'm going to go with Brittany Griner. Who you got, Raja? Man, that's a tough one, man. Um, all right, yeah, I'm going to go with Coach Mike Smith at American Heritage Football. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to go with them because a lot of people don't know this, but Mike 
Mike's the coach. Obviously, my son plays there. But Mike and I were cool even before my son was was on that varsity roster. He was a head strength and conditioning coach there. And they they had two great head coaches. Uh, Mike Rumpf, who's now at University of Miami, was a pro corner. And then Patrick Stain was a pro corner, is now with the Dolphins, prior to Mike. And Pat Sertain left last year. And they were trying to fill this job. And... You know, Mike and I had conversations about the job and he wanted the job and finally he landed the job and everybody's speculation was, you know, I guess warranted, like whether or not he could handle the job. And he was just announced, you know, coach of the year down here for 2M, which is the division they're in. They're playing for a state championship next weekend. His running back, Mark Fletcher, was player of the year offensive. His linebacker, David Vidal, was player of the year for for defensive player. And all he's done is coach his ass off. Um, and I know he's got a great relationship with those kids. So I'm going to give him a shout out. Real one of the week, Mike Mike Smith. There you go. But who's your real one of the week? Me. <laughs> <laughs> it me. Damn. <laughs> there I've been, real, been real as hell this week, dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like every now, and then, every now and then you look up and you be like, yo, my authenticity is off the charts. <laughs> I've been rolling. But I honestly only said me as an excuse to say we are now back in the office of Game Theory and season two starts January 20th um, of Game Theory. And if you heard me talk about Dion, I do suggest you go to YouTube Look up uh, Game Theory HBCU, and you'll find a video. That, I mean, a, an essay that we did last season about HBCU sports, and it was a bit focused on Dion and where we were going there. But we're back in the office on that, and I just love doing this show so much that I want to make sure that everybody understands that, like, I got season two of the dream, and it still feels dreamy. You know what I'm That's saying? What I'm saying. So, That's fire. What, yeah. what can we expect for season two, man? What, 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 what we got? What you got up your sleeve? Oh man, it's going to be heat. That I like, I can't tell you everything, right? But the things you liked, we're making sure to bring back, and the things that need to be better, we're working on. But we already got about, we got 10 episodes this season. We already got six or seven of the deep essays taken care okay. of. One thing I will tell you is we're working on what we're going to do for the most ironic sporting event of all time All Star Weekend, Salt Lake City. Let's get it. <laughs> we Let's get it. Getting ready for that. <laughs> By the way, Salt Lake City, a place I've had people make that. Mm, look about having some fun in. No, Salt Lake City's we we we're, we're proponents of Salt Lake City. We've talked mm. about how great Try Salt to Lake tell City him. is. He played in with the Jazz, so he he he's a very big proponent of, of Salt Lake City. I'll take your word for it. Don't get me wrong. I was just passing on the news because yeah. I, I, I don't think it's gonna be me. <laughs> well, Bo man, thank you for coming on, dog. It's been it's been a pleasure. We'll, we'll come back anytime, man. Friend of the show. Thanks, bro. Hey, man. No always appreciate you guys, man. Y'all take it easy. All right, man. We'll see you guys on Monday. Talk soon. Holla.